Technology stocks take a bath. A tough first day on the campaign trail for opposition leader Anthony Albanese and Qantas boss Alan Joyce says it's time to drop isolation rules for close contacts. It's Tuesday, the 12th of April, 2022. Welcome to Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Michael Thompson and good morning, Sean Aylmer. Good morning, Michael. Great intro. Oh, thanks. Extra enthusiasm this morning, I think. I'm feeling enthusiastic. I know it's still only Tuesday. It's only early in the week. But election campaigns, they always get, get me quite excited. And when there's a bit happening, it's it's easy to be excited at the beginning of a new episode, don't you think? I think so. I love our, I mean, I love the start of our episodes. We've so much to talk about. We certainly do. And just very briefly, Sean, a reminder, if you didn't hear it yesterday, to follow Fear and Greed's new podcast, which is called Safe Word by Fear and Greed. It is our old Sunday show, which is which has kind of grown up. It's heading out on its own. So search for Safe Word by Fear and Greed on your podcast platform, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening. Make sure you hit follow and you'll get the new episode when it's released midweek because pretty soon that'll be the only place you can hear it. So search for Safe Word by Fear and Greed and hit follow. And immediately after the show today, stay listening for Sean's chat to Jason Preston and Kathy Sozu from McGrath-Nickel, really all about insolvency risks, Sean. Yes, we've been waiting for two years for people to start falling off a cliff and it has started. Great timing to talk to the people from McGrath-Nickel. Yeah, it certainly is. It is a pretty worrying trend, but we'll go into that in a little bit more detail later on. But Sean, first, we need to talk about technology stocks because they fell again yesterday and they've really become the pariahs of the market, don't you reckon? It's a long way from late last year. Sure is. Sentiment has really turned against the tech sector and some of the biggest names have fallen really hard this year. In 2022, Accounting software group Zero is down 31%. Online property company Domains off 34%. Its main competitor, REA, has tumbled 26%. One of the most loved tech stocks in recent years has been logistics group WiseTech Global. Its share price is off 20% this year. Now, overall, the all technology index is down 19%, while the actual market itself is just off about 1%. They've really underperformed the tech stocks. Sean, I'm going to ask you the obvious question, why? Well, mostly it's about interest rates, but that's not it. The future value of cash flows from companies, and particularly tech companies, are calculated based on what people think interest rates will be in the future. So if interest rates rise, then future cash flow expectations fall, and people don't like the stocks quite as much. That's one reason. There's a few other reasons. Another, many online stocks ran really hard last year. We spoke about it throughout 2021, and now they've just got further to fall as a result. We're not in lockdowns anymore, so people are expected to spend their money on experiences, going out for dinner, that type of thing, as well as services. That doesn't really help the tech companies so much. And also, as the economy picks up, cyclical stocks, they're the ones that tend to do better when times are good, tend to outperform. Having said all that, though, you'd think other sectors would be falling in line with the tech stocks. It just hasn't happened, though. Real estate investment trusts suffer when rates are rising, but that index is only off 7%. Healthcare is another one in that group. It's off 11%. That's much, much better than tech stocks, which, of course, are down 19%. Sean, some of the the tech stocks are the big global stocks, but is this really a local phenomenon that we're just seeing here? 
It's not, but it's more pronounced here, which is why it's so interesting. So if you look at Wall Street, Apple's off 7% this year. Alphabet, which is parent of Google, is off 8%. Microsoft's down 11%. Mind you, Meta, owner of Facebook, is down 34%. That really has tumbled. But generally, the tech stocks here have been hit harder than they have on Wall Street. What about online retailers? Well, we spoke a lot about those last year, and in some cases, it's even worse in that sector. So Adore Beauty, which is both online and bricks and mortar, hit an all-time low yesterday. Kogan.com's down nearly 40% this year and is now about one-fifth of what it was at its peak 18 months ago. The other pin-up online retailer not so long ago, Temple and Webster, is off nearly 40% this year. They have been hammered. All right. I asked you one obvious question earlier, which was why. The second obvious question, Sean, is, is now the time to buy? Well, it is a very fair question. I don't really have an answer for it. And as we always say, see a financial advisor. But certainly the tech sector has been very beaten up. And if you look inside that sector, there are still some really good companies in there. But as we always say, see a financial advisor. Yeah, well said. All right, so what happened in financial markets then over the past 24 hours? Well, the S&P ASX 200 finished yesterday up just a touch at 7,485 points. The banks led the way with both Commonwealth Bank and National Australia Bank up around 1.4%. Fortescue fell nearly 3%, while there were a bunch that dropped about a percent or more that included Macquarie Group, Wes Farmers, Rio Tinto, James Hardy, Aristocrat Leisure and Woodside. Grain Corp did well again, up 6.5%. Now, remember on Friday morning, it upgraded its outlook. Analysts, as a result, have upgraded their forecasts and its share price has gone on a run. Fellow agribusiness New Farm has also benefited. It jumped more than 3.5% yesterday. Gold company Perseus Mining share price was up more than 4%, leading the gold diggers higher. Newcrest rose more than 2% and Northern Star finished up 3.7%. The A2 Milk Company was the worst performer yesterday, down nearly 5%. It's back to its level of August 2017. There's just not much going right for that group. And, Michael, the 10-year government bond yield topped 3% yesterday for the first time since 2015. Now, that, of course, is on the back of expectations of an interest rate rise in June. It could well go higher later in the week if labour force figures on Thursday show an unemployment rate of under 4%. And as we start the day, the Aussie dollar is trading around 74.5 US cents. All right, big start. We'll be back in a moment with the rest of the day's business news. Sean, day one of the election campaign, and it really wasn't a great one for opposition leader Anthony Albanese, who didn't know the unemployment rate or the official cash rate. That's right, and Prime Minister Scott Morrison jumped on the gaff immediately. Now, Albanese was asked by a reporter and conceded he didn't know those two figures. Labor finance spokesperson Katie Gallagher then jumped in and said the cash rate is 0.1% and the unemployment rate is 4%. Albanese at the time was in Tasmania spruiking Labor's, as he put it, bold and ambitious agenda. And then later in the day, he came out and basically said, I've made a mistake. He attempted to make a virtue out of the gaff, saying at least I owned up to the mistake, but really it uh, it wasn't a particularly good start for him. Morrison was all over the media yesterday and focused on the coalition's stewardship of the country during the pandemic, arguing the government saved 700,000 jobs. 
kind of a safe pair of hands seems to be the message. We're going to hear that for the next six weeks. Meanwhile, Michael, the Electoral Commission said it was working on telephone voting for people who will be in isolation because of COVID on polling day. It will only be used as an emergency measure, but it will be interesting to see how that one plays out. Sean, it was interesting seeing the gaffe from Anthony Albanese. When I was working in radio, the media would be basically salivating over the likes of what what happened yesterday. That because I think there's there's a certain sameness about an election campaign. Every day follows a pattern. The, the leaders travel to a different seat, go to two, three, maybe four events, a policy announcement, a media conference, and it could get very repetitive. So incidents like this, with with Albo forgetting key figures, would really stand out. And because it's something that goes completely off script, it does show, I think, a very human side to our leaders. That if he was asked, perhaps in different circumstances, he may well have have remembered them and just first day of the election campaign just completely went out of his out of his mind but you can be sure of one thing two things really number one his team is going to be prepping him very very thoroughly for any future uh, appearances throughout the campaign number two the media is going to be asking him every statistic they can think of between now and the election yeah yeah it would be interesting to see if scott morrison knew the answers to that as well, as you say, it just doesn't look very good, really. I, it, personally, I don't care if Morrison or Albanese knows what the unemployment rate is. I mean, that's not sort of their job in a sense, but it just doesn't look very good. No, no, certainly not. All right, moving on, Sean. And Qantas CEO Alan Joyce has called on governments to ease the seven-day isolation period for close contacts for all workers. Yes, he came after he said that airports are experiencing absenteeism rates of 20% and some days up to 50%, hence a big reason for all those long queues we're seeing. The New South Wales government over the weekend added airport workers to the list of essential workers, allowing them to remain on site even if they've been a close contact. But Joyce was really calling for a much broader lifting of that across the country. Now, making things worse at airports, about 30% of people turning up still have to be screened for COVID, and that's triggering delays. Absenteeism is a bit of a burning issue at the moment. An analysis of MYOB payroll data shows that absenteeism rates are close to 33% higher than long-term averages. In New South Wales, the state most affected, it's around 42% massive. Retailers are really feeling it as well, and they're calling for changes to the rules alongside Alan Joyce. Meanwhile, Michael, just quickly, New South Wales recorded 13,500 new cases yesterday in Victoria, recorded 9,600. Queensland was at 5,700. Western Australia, nearly 5,000. Tasmania, 1,650. And the ACT at 775 infections. Okay. Now, Sean, the inquiry into whether the star is fit to hold a gaming licence in New South Wales continued yesterday. What was the latest revelation? Because we know that there will be one, of course. There's always one. And it just didn't disappoint again yesterday. So the star's group general counsel said the star is still yet to finalise the decision so it hasn't made a decision, on whether Sun City junket boss Alvin Chow can still be considered a business associate of good repute. Now, that's notwithstanding Mr Chow's arrest last November and plenty of evidence that everyone agrees with that he has alleged criminal ties. Andrew Powell, the Star General Counsel, said that to this day, the gambling giant had not decided whether to keep dealing with Mr Chow and that a report linking him to triad gangs and organised crime was 
not enough to make the call in 2020. Amazing. According to the Financial Review, the inquiry also heard that the star allowed Sun City to continue running a high-roller gambling business in a secret, unbranded private room at its flagship Sydney casino, even after Chief Executive Matt Beckier had told the market in August 2019 it was ending their relationship. Ouch. That's extraordinary. All right. Now, Sean, investors can't seem to get enough of the lithium companies at the moment, and we can't get enough of talking about it all because it is fascinating what's going on. Lithium, of course, is a key component in batteries, and its price is up 500% over the past year. Yes. Explorer Lake Resources share price jumped more than 10% yesterday after it said it had done an offtake agreement with Ford Motor Company. Now, Chair Stuart Crow said there wasn't enough lithium available for the boom in electric vehicle manufacturing. Alcom, which is previously known as Oracobra, is up 500% in the last 18 months. And Macquarie analysts yesterday released a note nominating Mineral Resources and Pilbara Minerals as their preferred lithium picks. Incredible what's happening in that market. Another one to keep an eye on is palladium. It's in really high demand at the moment. It's used in catalytic converters for cars, quite the opposite to EVs, and of course in some jewellery and in fact in dental fillings. Two state-owned Russian refiners have been suspended by the London market and palladium prices are now up 30% this year. Dental fillings. Yeah. Yeah. Lithium, we talk about in batteries, but lithium has actually been used for mental health for many, many years. As well. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, look, palladium for dental fillings. I, I did not know that. And, and Sean, every day you managed to teach me something. And today it was about palladium. <laughs> Thank you. There you go. All right. A couple of smaller stories for you. The board of fertility business Virtus has backed an improved takeover offer from UK private equity group Capvest worth $8.15 per share adjusted for dividend payments. That's right, Michael. The offer is conditional on the Virtus board not allowing rival bidder and significant Virtus shareholder BGH Capital conducting due diligence on Virtus. I wouldn't be surprised that this might be the bid that makes it. Having said that, this is the ninth bid, I think, so I probably wouldn't put any money on that. But still, I think uh, Capvest, the UK private equity group, is getting closer. Sean, Independence Group has lifted its bid for gold and nickel miner Western Areas by 15%. That's a pretty big improvement. Western Areas Board, not surprisingly, has recommended shareholders accept the improved bid. I dare say this one will get done. And one more for you, Sean. Steel giant Bluescope is buying New York Stock Exchange listed Cornerstone Building Brands Coil Coatings business for $670 million. That is a mouthful. It's the second largest metal painter in the US with a total capacity of around 900,000 tonnes per annum. It mostly serves commercial and industrial construction applications. All right, moving on to overseas news. And French President Emmanuel Macron will face far-right rival Marine Le Pen in a runoff election in two weeks' time, Sean. Yes, the two beat off other candidates in the election in France on Sunday and under French voting rules, they now face each other on April 24. Macron attracted 28% of the vote. Le Pen, 23%, and a far-left candidate received 22%. More recently, France has been a little less right-wing than, say, the US, which, of course, voted for Donald Trump, or even the United Kingdom, which voted for Brexit. But clearly, Le Pen is now in with a real chance. 
And Sean, the Austrian Chancellor was due to meet Russian President Vladimir Putin overnight, the first European leader to meet Putin since the invasion began six weeks ago. The goal of the trip, Michael, is to promote dialogue between Moscow and Kiev, though some European countries, which so far have been very, very united in their opposition to the invasion, might be less than delighted about the meeting. Now, Austria is not in NATO. Theoretically, it's actually non-aligned. Meanwhile, Ukraine said it had found more than 1,200 bodies in the Kiev region following the withdrawal of Russian troops. And finally, Sean, quite a bit of bad news out of China over the past 24 hours, at least from an economic perspective. Yes, that's right. Property developer Zenro defaulted for the first time yesterday, unable to make a bond interest payment. It comes several months after Evergrande failed to make interest payments on its international bonds. Zenro blamed the lockdown in Shanghai. That helped trigger a fall in Chinese and Hong Kong stock markets yesterday. Adding to the gloom is record in new COVID cases in Shanghai. Now, so far, President Xi Jinping has been determined to follow a zero COVID policy. But It's hard to see how we can do that without harming the economy significantly. There are also figures yesterday showing a surge in factory gate prices. That's exactly what it is. The price of product leaves the shop floor without transport costs and things like that. In other words, prices, inflation are rising faster than expected in China. Okay, now up next is the Fear and Greed Daily interview. And today, Sean, you're speaking with Jason Preston and Kathy Sozu from McGrath-Nickel. That's right. We talk about whether or not we're going to see a run in insolvencies and administrations in the next 12 months or so. We've sort of been expecting it, but it just hasn't happened because of all the government support and the support from landlords and banks and that sort of thing. That's now drying up. So Jason and Kathy know all about where to expect, particularly what sectors to expect some of the fallout from. Also really interesting, I mean, because they're very involved in the construction sector and the flow on that has to subbies and other contractors and also how difficult it is to get labour and skills at the moment because, of course, they end up running some of these companies. Really interesting interview. Yeah, it sure is. It is coming up next in the Fear and Greed playlist on your podcast platform or at fearandgreed.com.au. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Michael. It's Tuesday, the 11th of April, 2022. Make sure you're following the podcast. Join us online on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, and have a go at listening to us as well through your smart speaker. Just say, play the Fear and Greed podcast, and away you go. I'm Michael Thompson, and that was Fear and Greed. Have a great day.